Is everyone still there? Yeah, we're live, mate. Yeah, we're live, Rich. Why are you rustling around in the background? Hey, listen. <laughs> tell me. What do you told you? Stop that nonsense. <laughs> You're on some next flex, you know. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of the Woolam Talks podcast. Uh, my name is Jason, and as usual, I'm joined by my two buddies, uh, Alvin, Big A, the Mac Geek. Alvin, say what's up. What's up, people? And the rustling kid, Richard, is in the background rustling around because that's what he does. Richard, say what's up. I like that name, but you know the actual term rustling, isn't that used for like herding horses, like if you're a cowboy or something? Well, that's what it sounds like you're doing. Him, so, yeah. Like cheaping that. <laughs> yeah. It's what? Stealing, isn't it? It's theft, rustling. Rustling? Okay, well, yeah, now, yeah. Yeah, now you got this, but either way, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Well, listeners, it's episode 11, and um, what we wanted to do today was to do something a little bit different, um, which is to kind of hear from some of you, some of the people who follow us and who listen to us, you know. As we said on the last podcast, there's many of you across the world who've been listening to what we do, and we really appreciate it. So we wanted to kind of get, you know, any old questions that we could get in from all of you listeners and to try and answer some of them on the show for you and uh, maybe have settled a few arguments that you might be having with some of your mates. Um, so yeah, guys, I think we should probably just dive straight in, you know, I mean, was there any news that you wanted to uh, discuss before we get started? Uh, I've, I've got one, I've got one, one piece of news. Go on. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've decided to grow my moustache like, <laughs> like this Gambino when he's playing Landa Carizian and also for Shamik Moore. He's playing Charlotte Fantastic from um, uh, the Get Down. That's it. That's that's big. Okay. To me, that's big news. I know you guys have gone quiet, but you guys have gone. <laughs> not to me, that's that's big news. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've um, enriched all of our listeners' lives with that tale. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alvin, you're not growing any um, hair anywhere that we all need to know about, are you? Uh, I don't think so. Not that I know of. But uh, news-wise, I'll just say, go and see Arrival, because it's really good, and it's really interesting, and it's a thoughtful, provoking, thought-provoking sci-fi movie. Okay, cool. Yeah, the trailers have been out for a little while, and um, that's something I do want to catch up with, so um, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to get around to seeing that soon. But it does look interesting. We haven't really had like a, a kind of thoughtful sci-fi movie for a little while. Um, one that kind of asks the big questions, and I think that Arrival kind of does that um, without giving any spoilers away. Is that right, Alvin? Yeah, c- kind of, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. All right, well, cool. You got a recommendation already, folks. So yeah, go and check out Arrival um, if you get the chance, and let us know what you think of it as well. Um, we'll let you know how you can get in touch with us at the end of the show. But let's crack on with the questions because we got quite a lot of questions to get through um, tonight. So uh, let's get started. So what we'll do is um, myself and Alvin are going to take it in turns to uh, read out a few of the questions and who they're from. Um, we'll give them, give them a little shout out as well. Uh, and then we'll try our best to answer those questions. Um, so, yeah, here we go. All right. So the first question we got was from Dean, a good friend of ours from uh, the blog who's been following us for a long time and has been interacting with us for a long time. So Dean, what's up, man? Big up to yourself. Um, this comes from him and his son. 
Uh, and the question he asked is, he said, uh, I have a question. My son and I were wondering if there's any news with regards to a possible Skyrim movie and also any more news on the possible making of the R-rated 18 action version of Tomb Raider. So, um, guys, any news you've heard about Skyrim or a Skyrim movie in the works or anything like that? No, like I haven't even heard. I've never even heard of like a possibility of a Skyrim movie. Um, I mean, it might have been there and it might have passed me by because I'm not a Skyrim fan. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's the answer to that question. Sorry, sorry, is it Dean, yeah? Yeah. Oh, the blue, yeah, blue Gooner, yeah? Yeah. Why is it called the Blue Gooner? Aren't the Gooners, well, was that for the, like, Arsenal? Aren't they red? Yeah, they are red, but blue is his colour and he kind of um, has made a thing about designing things around blue. <laughs> this is really not a relevant question. <laughs> Richard, wow, this this is going swimmingly already. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, I know, Rich. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to get to know the fans the same way how they're trying to get to know me. So, like Dean, that that was my answer to your question. And um, yeah, you just confused. I'm not a football fan, so I don't really know. I just know basically. Yeah? yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just leave the football out of it. Yeah, sorry, listeners. <laughs> um, Alvin, uh, any news of a Skyrim movie that you may have heard of? Yeah, I don't know. No, not that I know of. I mean, but I do think Skyrim would be better suited to um, to a series rather than a movie just because I'm guessing there's so much. Because the game's so big itself anyway. I, I don't see as to how a film would be worth it. I think uh, a TV series would be worth it if you really wanted to explore the entire world of Skyrim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard much of a Skyrim movie talk myself, really, from uh, kind of the, the websites that I scour. Um, but, I mean, what I would say to give you some kind of hope is that uh, it all depends on how well Assassin's Creed does really. Um, if Assassin's Creed does well at the box office um, then I think you'll see a lot of Hollywood studios um, buying up properties in, in the video game market and looking to adapt things. Um, we've had you know, the long running uh, Uncharted adaptation that's gone through various different script writers, various different directors, various different actors. Um, it's still, as far as we know, in pre-production, so they are still trying to, to make that. Um, but yeah, we said we've got Assassin's Creed coming out very, very soon, so if that does well, then um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody um, decides to buy the movie rights to Skyrim already, assuming they, they haven't already done that. So, so I'd say there's every possibility for it. Um, with regards to the second question with Tomb Raider, uh, there, I heard a rumour a long while back that there was um, not an R-rated version of Tomb Raider, Raider but one that was, was fairly gritty, certainly grittier than versions that we got with uh, Angelina Jolie. Um, there is a, a version that's in pre-production now. Uh, Alicia Vikander is attached to star as uh, Lara Croft in that. Um, but I haven't heard much about the, the tone of the script yet. I think it's something they're still kind of working on. Um, so there's no news on, on that, unfortunately, um, as far as I'm aware. Um, Alvin, did you hear anything about Tomb Raider? Any kind of recent updates? No, the only thing I've, I've heard is that it's going to be more like the, uh, the rebooted games uh, rather than obviously the previous ones or anything like that. 
Um, I had it's, it's more going to be like survival Lara Croft than anything else. Right, right. And Rich, anything? Uh, Lara Croft? No, um, I haven't heard anything. I do agree with Alvin's thing about Skyrim being a TV, but suited for a TV show. Um, and yeah, I can only imagine that if they did do a Lara Croft film, it'd be more, a lot more true to life now that the the, the later films are. But um, haven't really heard, haven't heard anything. Not even really, haven't heard anything full stop. Mm-hmm. Cool, fair enough. Well, I hope that answers your question, Dean. Um, but as I said, we're happy to go back to that uh, at a later date when there's more information available. And um, as soon as we know more, we'll let you know. All right, cool. Um, Alvin, do you want to take the second question? Yeah, second question comes from Michael, and it's uh, it's quite a long one. Um, but uh, how do you guys feel about the way the MCU has accurately reflected the comic storylines uh, from the films to the TV shows, uh, what you liked, what you didn't like in terms of story, uh, st- in terms of storylines even. Uh, plus, do you think for a moviegoer, not an avid comic book fan, uh, from an avid moviegoer's perspective, uh, is it is it just right? Okay, cool. So I think what, what um, Michael, big up Mikey, by the way, um, enough love to you, man. Um, I think what Michael's kind of saying is um, whether or not um, the movies and, and the TV shows follow the same kind of path as, as the comic books in terms of their storytelling and, and the characters and whether that's um, something that appeals to, to both sides, I think, is, is kind of what he's saying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's about just right, to be honest. Um, I think for any kind of avid comic book fan, somebody who's quite knowledgeable about Marvel Comics and their history and things like that, um, I think you always kind of approach the the MCU and, and what they're doing with the TV shows with, a, with an open mind um, because you're aware that they can't necessarily do everything that the comic books do, um, whether that be for budget. Uh, budgetary reasons or whether that be because from a storytelling point of view it doesn't work with the story that the filmmakers want to tell um so there there's you know there's correlation with with what goes on in the comic books to a certain degree but nothing that that's too tied to it because i guess you know the one thing filmmakers don't want is to have to be tied to to something specifically um and this is something that i think the mcu has done really well particularly marvel studios is that they've kind of allowed their filmmakers as much as possible to to kind of tell the stories that they want to tell but within the framework of the overall story that that they want to tell um so that's something that that means that the films in general and the tv shows can appeal to a broader audience rather than just playing directly to comic book fans um because there is only a finite number of those um so yeah i think it's about just right myself to be honest um, Richard, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I like I like the, the 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 path that they've taken. There's always that there's always that certain similarity between like the comic books and the TV and the TV and the films. So it's, you know, so as not to alienate, you know, new people into the films or into the comic books. Um, but like I said, I, I think they they've done it in quite in quite a smart way in which they haven't locked you know any form of writers on the comic books or any form of like writers in the film. You know, in in like a, in any particular path, apart from the fact that there's a there's an overall storyline. So um, I, I I'm I'm really happy with the way how they how they build the universe. Um, 
because literally, like you know, like Mikey said, Mikey's not a, he's not a comic book fan, but uh, but he's a fan of the films. So it's not say like you have to know one to you know you know to, you know to enjoy the other. So I th- I think they've really really mastered that balance of uh, of creating two different universes with with same characters so so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Alvin, what do you think? Do you think it's about right, or could they do more? No, I do agree with the whole uh, balance thing that you guys have said. Uh, however, I do think, <clears throat> excuse me, for a majority of um, kind of just average Joes, for example, I do think certain things, like especially the Infinity Stones, uh, go over people's heads entirely, and they won't actually realise anything about them until um, we actually get to Infinity War. Um, but obviously, that's a another group of people. Whereas, of someone who just enjoys the movies and I've seen them countless amounts of times they'll they'll know that stuff whether they're comic book fans or not but there are there are people out there i think don't have enough a clue as to how it's all connected yeah i think the, there's definitely um i mean with with movie going audiences you kind of have to um accept that there are people there that are just going for um for social reasons you know they either they're meeting up with friends or they're on a date or you know something like that and uh, because of that, they're, they're not necessarily as invested in the, the wider sort of story that, that you're telling. So, yeah, I, I can imagine that there may be some people who, you know, the, the, the backstory behind the Infinity Stones and, and the larger sort of story that they're building towards for um, these final two Avengers movies that, that they'll be making. Um, it might, as you said, pass over their heads. Uh, but I think what, I, I'm fairly confident they'll bring everything together in, in the Infinity War and, and in the subsequent film after that um, in a way that will make sense to, to everybody. Um, but yeah, you do wonder, <laughs> you do wonder because it's been going, I mean, the MCU has been going how long now? Is it 13 years or, or 14 years? I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's about 13, isn't it, give or take? So, so because there's, there's that many um, years that have passed by from you know, Iron Man to the point we're at now um, with, with Doctor Strange, it, it, I do wonder if, if people have paid attention, shall we say, to what's been going on in each and every film at, at that point. Because there are a lot of people out there who haven't seen all of the films in the MCU. So um, there may be some gaps in you know people's knowledge of, of what's going on so that's a bridge that that marvel studios is going to have to cross at some point um with the tv shows uh they you know they seem to be doing okay um agents of shield i i haven't really watched recently so i'm not entirely sure what um where they're at in terms of you know storytelling and its relationship to the, the comics but it seems to be fairly fairly close um, and then with the Netflix uh, shows that they've been doing, again, similar kind of thing. It, it's fairly close in correlation to the comic book, but rather than sort of picking one specific arc, what they seem to be doing is, you know, is picking a couple of different arcs and then taking the bits that work and, and, and putting that into the into the um, into the series, much as they do with the movie. So, um, you know, they largely seem to be getting it right. Audiences in general seem to be liking it. So um, it, it seems to be working for them, really. So, yeah, I, I can't see any problems with that. So uh, anything else you wanted to add on that, guys? Or? No, I'm good. Good? Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. All righty. Um, we've got a good few questions here from Monica. Uh, hi, Monica. Uh, we have a couple here which I'll run through. Now, some of these questions, listeners, um, 
they're actually really deep subjects. So we're kind of, because of time constraints, we're kind of going to have to just give a general response, unfortunately. But um, some of them are definitely worth uh, discussing in further detail. So we'll try and do another a podcast where we can get in uh, a few of, of Monica's topics that she's brought up here. But um, first question would be, if you could hire any director for a superhero film, who would it be and why? Um, Richard, you can go first. <clears throat> uh, did it, does she mean a superhero, f- like, like a superhero film like Cakes, like Batman, Superman, that exactly like that? Well, I think superhero is in the generic term. So I, you know, a person who gets powers of some description and goes on <laughs> a journey, basically. Yeah, I don't like your tone, the way how you, how you answered me, you know, like, like I'm stupid. <laughs> That's because it was a stupid question, isn't it? <laughs> I would really like to old school. I would like to see Steven Spielberg direct Superman. Mm, mm. Just because like like he like Steven Spielberg like he's been going for X amount of years and he hasn't really failed like in the amount of movies. Like I mean let's say mm. let's say if he's ten movies, then like out of those ten movies, like two of those films might be like meh, like you know, so it's like that. And um, and he's really good at making you believe. He made like you know like he's like he's done it with quite quite a lot of films, you know, to say the least. So I'd like to see him take on uh, a character like Superman, who I think is probably one of the hardest characters to portray on screen in in a film. And I think the last good Superman film that we had was um was was the Christopher Reeve films, and like the tagline that they had for that was like you know you believe a man you believe a man can fly, and it was it was perfect. And obviously, the reason why that film stands, you know, well, the reason why that film did well is because it was it was for that time. But even when you watch it now, it still works. And and I and I think off the top of my head, I think Spielberg is probably the only person who, who might still be able to pull that off with a character like that. And I've chosen a character like Superman because he's he's very very difficult to write or to portray or to portray on screen, whether it be like television or film. So that that would be like uh, more of a challenge to him. You know, whether like not as much as like I'd like to see him do it. I'd like to see if he'd be able to pull it off. Cool, cool. Good shout, man. Good shout. Um, Alvin, how about you? Just to add to his point first, um, I think, uh, you know what? Well, first when you said Spielberg, I was like, really? But when you, when you, a bit after you said it, I was, I think you'd be good at doing a period Superman piece, like a piece set in the 50s, for example, or something like that, where it was yeah, like yeah. a sci-fi 50s or something like that. But I think a modern, a modern day one, I don't think it could really offer anything to, because he's a man who's all about kind of vision and whatnot. So, but yeah, that's what I think. But yeah, uh, I, I'd like to see Sam Mendes, um, but take on a vigilante type character. Um, I'm not sure, that, well, obviously we've seen the Bond movies that he can depict action quite well. Uh, and it's action involving kind of, well, non-superpowered people. Uh, so I suppose I'm kind of cheating a little bit. But I think it'd be, uh, I think it'd be pretty good at a vigilante story. I think it'd be bring a sense of realism to it. Uh, that, a sense of realism that's different from what Nolan did for Batman. Cool, cool. Any specific characters in mind for him? Maybe Green Arrow. Uh, or, no, I think Moon Knight would be a bit too raw for him. I don't know, I've not really... Um, Mm. Nah, I can't think of anything Marvel that, but yeah, maybe Green Arrow for DC, Sam Mendes. Okay. Cool, cool. Fair enough. Um, for me, I think I, you, well, you mentioned the character already, Moon Knight. Um, 
I would love to see a John Woo Moonlight film. Just purely because it would be, it'd allow John Woo to go to absolute town with his religious imagery and slow-mo and floating birds and all kinds of things. Um, and I think he'd just bring the right amount of, of chaos to the, the screen um, for somebody like Moonlight. And I don't be... In particular, what I would like is is for him to do um, like an adaptation of the more recent run with the character where they focused a lot on um, his schizophrenia and his multiple personality disorders and things like that. Um, That said, uh, he would have to have zero involvement in the script because he tried to do that with a TV series that some people, you know, depending on how nerdy you are about your John Woo might remember, which was a TV series called Blackjack, which um, starred Dolph Lundgren as an ex-mercenary who was suffering from PTSD and had a fear of the color white. Now, on paper, that sounds like it makes sense. In practice, it led to a scene in the pilot where he was paralyzed to do anything because he was surrounded by milk. And I kid you not, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Partly because of Dolph Langren's acting, but partly because it was just the idea that this super tough guy was floored by milk. So, yeah, you'd have to, like, exercise some kind of creative control over it, I think, with that. But, yeah, for me, I think that would be the the thing I would most um, really like to see. Um, And also, I think uh, Steve McQueen, the guy who did um, Shame and 12 Years a Slave, I'd love to see him do, like, a really gritty, dark, violent take on um, a vigilante character like you um, kind of said Alvin um, I'd like to see like that I'd, I'm not sure what character would, would interest him enough to do it but um, maybe a Batman actually I think a, a Batman might, might interest him so yeah something like with, with Steve McQueen um, doing a Batman movie I think that would be intense very intense so yeah yeah that was cool alright um, the next question she answered uh, she asked excuse me um, was are female characters overly sexualized uh, why or why not um, now I think she when she says female characters I think she means in, in superhero uh, movies and TV shows and things like that um, now I said I'll preface this by saying that this is obviously um, quite a broad topic so we're going to have to keep it brief because we're time constrained here. Um, but general thoughts on, on that issue? Uh, who went first last time? Alvin and Richard. Yeah. No, no, I went first last time, didn't I? Oh, no, you went first, didn't you? Sorry. Pardon me. Alvin, you can go. You've, you've drawn the short straw, bro. All right. Um, well, nah, I, I, me personally, I don't think so. Um, just because I'm not sat there getting all kind of, you know, hot and bothered. So for me, it's a no, because I'm, I'm literally just there sat there watching the story and watching cool stuff go on. There, I think there's some sexy females in those things. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said there weren't, but I, I don't think that they're overly sexualized, especially when they contribute to the story that's being told. Cool, cool. Richard? Um. I would agree with, with Alvin to a certain degree. Um, see, the thing is, when it comes to this type of thing, it, 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 also, it also depends on, like, on the viewer. That's the thing. So, like, I mean, I mean like, I'm not trying to view off anything, but, like, you know, one of my guilty pleasure films is, is like, Sucker Punch. And, like, and, and then I, I always hear that, that term being used about Sucker Punch, where it's like, 
oh, it's a, it's a 13-year-old um, boy's, like, you know, wank dream, girls in school uniform, and, like, you know, and, and, and that's, what's, that's, what atta- that's what's attached to it. And I'm like, I remember watching that film and not feeling, not, not even noticing that girls were in school uniform. I was more about, like, the acting, uh, you know, when it, when it was good, and the action scenes. <laughs> So, um, and then, and usually when I do say that, they're like, yeah, but you're different. And I'm like, yeah, but you need to take that into account. So I think with each person, you need to take that into account. With particular characters, I think some characters are a bit over-sexualized. And I think, um, I mean, to, to me, me personally, a character like Harley Quinn is a, is a highly sexualized character. Like, I mean, like I said, like in saying that, Jay, you asked me before about, um, you know, are there some questions that we should leave out? <laughs> And I think this is one of those questions you should have left out, because <laughs> like, well, it's, it's too late now, isn't it? <laughs> you should have spoke your piece beforehand. <laughs> and, um, but I mean, I mean, without trying to get into it, because like I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's fine. I mean, we, we're time constrained anyway. So sorry, listeners. Yeah. I mean, we can't really. As I said, some of Monica's questions are brilliant questions. It's just that because we are time constrained, we we don't want to kind of spend too much time going into the nuances because there are a lot of nuances with this. Um, with I mean, the simple, honest answer from from me, Monica, is yes and no. Yes, there are examples that I think, personally, where where characters are unnecessarily sexualized, where they don't have to be, and it doesn't really do anything for the story. Um, But then there are other examples where characters are not overly sexualized, or where people have actually gone way out of their way to avoid doing that. Um, So you can kind of see that that there is a a shift in the balance. with you know in in the past these uh, a lot of um the industries movie industry tv industry comic book industry they were very male dominated um and populated by a certain type of male as well um and i don't and i think it's it's clear to see that there was some kind of um reflection of the type of of person they were based on the work that they were producing because you know at the end of the day we're all human and we can't help you know, our personalities coming out in, in what we do. That's just the, the, the nature of, of, of being a human being. Um, so you do get uh, some examples, as, as said, that I felt were a bit, you know, unnecessary. But there are, there is now a counter movement to try and redress the balance. And I think, you know, we're, something that, that Alvin said as well is, is quite valid is, um, you know, the there are some sexualized characters that it, it kind of fits for the, the narrative that you're telling and, and the story that you're telling. Um, you know, a quick example would be Jessica Jones, um, who could be described as a, an overtly sexualized character in a sense that um, sex features quite heavily both in her comic books and in the TV series. But, you know, when you watch the overall narrative or you read the the narrative of of the comics you you understand that there is a reason why they've done these things um and there's all they're also very careful about the the character's portrayal as well within those those types of situations so so yeah it's um short answer uh, yes and no as i said there's a lot that we can go into but unfortunately we don't have the time but monica thank you great question um we'll move on to the next one which was another doozy. <laughs> I think Monica was um, Monica may have had some um, some stimulation <laughs> before she came up with a few of these questions because they're deep. 
the next one is, do you think the current political climate uh, is going to have an impact on the future of the comic book world? Um, Al, if you want to go through that one, bro. Uh, yeah, it's already been it's it's already been going on for at least the last two years minimum. Uh, there is a lot of actually politics involved in comics, and especially identity politics. Um, and there's there's loads of examples I could go through. There's a few obvious ones that I could think of, um, but then would be here forever just talking about them. But it's it's already happening. It's already it already decides as to decisions that people make and why they make them. Uh, people getting called up for various things here and there, writers and artists and whatnot. It's already happening. Cool. Uh, Richard, did you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, no, I've, I kind of agree with Alvin there. I mean, like, it's, they told you there's one of the things that is inevitable. Mm. Like, it's going, it's going to happen either way. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing is, is, a, is a whole, you know, is a whole, is a whole different story. But it, it's, it's just the way how it is, just the way how it is, especially now where, like, it's, I mean, like, it was, it was always considered, like, pop culture. And I mean, like, American pop culture, but the whole superhero thing, like, it's, now, now it's taken on a whole new lease of life, and, it, and it's literally everywhere. I mean, the, the only thing I can describe, you know, concerning this is that, you know, the way how Star Wars was in the 70s, where you just find it and everything. So it's only inevitable that, you know, you know I, mean, I mean, like, and the reason why I'm saying is, like, you know, for example, you get Ronald Reagan naming his, you know, his United States, you know, protection plan or, or con contingency plan against nuclear warfare. He's na he names it Star Wars. So, like, little, little things like that is, you know, so I mean, so with things now, yeah, you can see it. You, you can just see it kicking off. But Monica, man, like, what you come? These questions. You, you, <laughs> I, I feel like I should be standing in front of like a group of like people just trying to explain life. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like a, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely think um, we should have had a few spliffs. <laughs> we got to these ones. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go to one more of yours, and then I'm really sorry, Monica, but I'm going to have to cut the other ones. But we will, as I said, you've, you've asked some fantastic questions here, so we, they, they really do deserve a, a full discussion. Um, but there's one more which I'll pick up, so I'll end with a light one and a simple one. She says, uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, anybody who wants to go first? Star Wars. Yep, Rich? Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a Star Wars from me. So yeah, free <laughs> for Star Wars. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's get on to some of the other questions that we've got here. So um, we've got a question here from Luke. Um, Luke has asked, "Hey, what's up, Luke? By the way, um, the unbelievable Gwenpool, what and why?" <laughs> Um, this was a question that I have to be honest, listeners, none of us are familiar with Gwenpool, the character. Uh, we're really not. So um, we're going to have to kind of muddle through an answer on this one. Um, my take on it is that I guess Marvel saw the success of Spider-Gwen um, and have decided that, you know, the, the Gwen thing is working. So let's try it with another popular character that we have namely Deadpool, um, and provide a, a different spin on it. Um, so, yeah, my guess is the reason why they've done it is because they saw it as being a profitable thing to do. The what, is afraid of, I'm afraid, is a question I just can't answer, Luke, because, as I said, I'm, I'm really not familiar with Gwenpool at all. So, um, yeah, I'm going to defer to the, the guys and pass the buck down the hill. You, as you guys know, shit rolls downhill, so 
you two are going to have to catch this one. <laughs> um, Rich, Gwenpool? Um, I'm another one. I've, I've never read the comic book. Uh, I, I saw the character uh, and, I, and, and I literally was like, what, what, the, hell, what the hell is this? Um, I'm not going to speak too much about it because for all I know, it could be an amazing comic book. I mean, as far as I know, like the, the you know, it's doing it's doing decent in sales. It's, it's mm. still going, um, but I, I just think that with a character that is that is really loved, like Gwen, like like Gwen Stacy, um, if you're gonna bring her back to life, let's say like a character, like say how they brought back um, Jason Todd or retconned Jason Todd and Jason Todd, or retconned Bucky Barnes and made those characters like really integral, you know, to you know to you know the DC universe or the Marvel universe. I don't understand why you're gonna bring back a character like Gwen Stacy in any particular way and just use her for comic relief. Like, you know, she, she, she was part of that. She was part of, of those few characters that when they had been killed, it was almost like, uh, you know, an unwritten rule in comic books that you don't bring people back. So in that rule is like, um, you know, um, Uncle Ben. So you like, you know, you don't bring back Uncle Ben. You don't bring back Bucky Barnes. You definitely don't bring back Jason Todd because he wasn't liked anyway <laughs> back then. And, and basically you don't bring back Gwen Stacy. So I mean, to to bring her back and to have her like this, I think it's almost like a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a piss take. But then in saying that, that's me just being like a hardcore comic book fan, and having never really picked up the comic book. So you know, in in that respect, that's 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 all I can give you. So don't take my answer for gospel. Just take it for face value for the moment, and then you know, what, in saying that, maybe I will pick it up this week. I'll go pick up an issue, and then you know, and see what it's saying, and then maybe it might change my mind. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely do some research on Gwenpool, Luke. Um, I will read up on that um, because, as I said, I I really don't know little. But what I will say, Rich, is remember NERD where the comics is concerned, bro. No one ever really dies, man. (laughs) No one ever really dies. They'll always find a way to bring back somebody. If they need to, they will. After. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Alv, anything to add on Gwenpool? No, not really. Just I was just confused when it when she was like kind of revealed in that because I just thought, well, if you want to do a female comedic character, why don't you just actually do something original rather than doing a female version of a male character that already exists? It's just kind of lazy. It just seems a bit a bit kind of lazy to me. You could have just done something really good and interesting, but instead he just decided to put Gwen in front of the name of a famous character and then. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even really answering the question. I'm just ranting about how much I just think it's dumb. <laughs> uh, there's that grumpy Mancunian coming out of him there. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's move on. Um, so we got a question from Dion. Dion, big up yourself. Um, he asked, uh, "Why don't Sony and Capcom make Street Fighter 2 available on PSN for PlayStation 4?" Um, Good question, man. Good question. I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I think it could be really popular as, as, a, as a legacy title. It's, you know, Street Fighter's value it seems to be um, enduring and it seems to survive um, up to this day. Although, uh, you know, hardcore Street Fighter fans tell me that it's slowly declining in terms of you know the gameplay and and uh, the playability of, of the new games but um yeah i mean street fighter 2 is a is a stone cold classic of of any genre of, of video game really i mean it, it deserves its place in the hall of fame for sure um so yeah i mean i'm not sure why sony wouldn't do that really um alvin i know you're a, a 
Gamehead. Can you give us any insight into that or why you think that may not be happening? I only assume that um, it's pretty much Capcom wanting to look forward to the future rather than having people look back at the past. They want people to focus on the current Street Fighter game that's out and have that be kind of like the holy grail of Street Fighter at the moment. Um, because I think if they, if they kind of release an older game that's, you know, kind of a class, it'll take, kind of steal the thunder away from the current, the current title that's out. So I think that's probably the main reason as to why, as to why they probably do that. Yeah, that would make sense, I guess. Yeah, um, Rich, anything to add? You know, I really haven't played any form of like beat 'em ups in ages. Um, since probably since Marvel versus Capcom or X Men versus Capcom. Um, why haven't they released it? Like, maybe it's to do with money. Maybe they're waiting for the right time. Is it? Is it nearly time for an anniversary for it? I don't know. There, there could be like a, a host of reasons. That's like you know. Maybe you know, maybe just waiting to cash in. I mean, that would be a good idea, because um, because like Marvel is just killing it right now, so it would make sense, and it would bolster, um, I think any of the Street Fighter games that are coming out or that have been released, um, but I, I I couldn't tell you. But because I'm not really in into those type of games anymore, um, I, I don't care. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> 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 oh dear, sorry Dion <laughs> Richard don't care so <laughs> we can't help you there <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's not even a quote from Black Panther I generally don't <laughs> <laughs> well I think Dion that there is a chance that it may happen um, there seems to be a, a you know, I, I take your point Alvin that they are trying to focus on the future and trying to get people you know, to um, take on board new things that they're doing but Street Fighter is a is, is a legacy property and um, one thing that that stands in the favor of maybe something like this happening is um, the big 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 boom in, in retro gaming in in the last sort of five years five and six years there's been a real push um, well a real desire really from uh, a certain section of the gaming market to to have retro games um, available to them. You know, just recently Nintendo released their NES uh, Classic Mini console. Mm. Um, and apparently all of they, they've sold out everywhere. And um, I mean, I tried to get one and yeah, they, they, there's like, <laughs> there's just none to be found anywhere. So yeah, well done Nintendo. But um, yeah, there, there is a big market for it. So perhaps maybe if you know sony are looking at the market and seeing what's going on with it they might think you know if we can strike up a deal with capcom and, and get it out there then maybe there's a chance but um yeah we'll just have to wait and see unfortunately we'll, we'll have to see with that one um dion did also ask if there was a mention of uh pops in uh, Jessica Jones, um, Pops, the, the character from the Luke Cage series. Um, he was saying he'd been re, uh, recently re-watching Jessica Jones and he thought he might have seen a reference to Pops um, because he was kind of thinking that in terms of the timeline for that, that storyline, um, that Luke Cage may have been set before um, Jessica Jones. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's actually set after Jessica Jones from, from what? Uh, the showrunner, Che Hodari Koka, said. Um, it's kind of set after that. Um, and I think I remember Pops making some kind of explicit references to Jessica Jones. He called her a rebound chick or, or something like that. 
Um, so I, I think they, from their point of view, they're, they're seeing it as the story being told after Jessica Jones rather than before. So um, I did have a look for you, though, um, but I couldn't find anybody online who had noticed any reference like that. Um, is that anything either of you two have seen or, or heard? No. Nope. And Mr. Pop? Um, nah. Yeah, yeah, no. Like, but yeah, but I mean, even a timeline, like, yeah, Luke Cage is, is, right? How far has, uh, how far is he asking in? Because he hasn't seen a TV show, or he's asking because he's thinking maybe he might have missed something. Because if he did miss anything, he just blatantly missed that. You can, you know, that the show just takes place after Jessica Jones with the night nurse coming in after saying that she saved him in a mm. in the Jessica Jones series. So what's, what's his mm. name again? What's the guy sent a question? Dion. Dion, pay attention, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Dion, you've been told, man. <laughs> no, thank you for your questions, bro. We appreciate it. Yeah, um, it's, all, it's all fun, man. It's all love. Yeah, it's all love. Sorry, Alvin, I've just realized I've been running through all these questions. Um, so do you want to take the next one? I think it's the first question from Gordon. Yeah, sure. Uh, the f- oh, yeah, the first one. Uh, Where's DC's future in filmmaking, uh, and what would they have to do to become uh, serious contenders in the game? Cool. Okay. So, um, Gordon, big up yourself. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, so, basically, what, what Gordon is saying is, is how do they get up to Marvel's level, or I guess in terms of, A, box office success, and B, the, the quality of the films. I, I think that's what you're asking, Gordon. Um, if I'm paraphrasing you, then, yeah, you know. Sorry, but I think that's what you're saying. Um, well, I mean, in terms of box office success, they're, they're doing okay. Uh, I mean, if you just look purely at the numbers, um, Batman v Superman took like 800 plus million um, at the box office. Uh, not as much as Warner Brothers had been hoping for, but that's still got to be considered a success, um, especially when you give, an, uh, give the overall cost um, of, of that film. Uh, into account you know it's still a win um suicide squad is doing great numbers at the box office and it's it's still rumbling on at the box office around the world uh, and it's about to come out on uh, home video release and and digital download release as well which is going to boost their numbers even more so um from that point of view you know they're they're pretty happy i guess with with the way things uh, are going from a you know from a financial point of view from a quality of films point of view well in order to get up to Marvel's level, boy, I mean, that, that's another, <laughs> that could be another hour-long discussion. I mean, we kind of discussed it in our previous pod in the, um, where we discussed the, the DC Extended Universe and the future of it and things like that. And uh, we kind of went all over that, um, the kind of things that we would like to see as, as fans um, from those properties. But um, Alvin, did you want to just kind of like summarize like what you think, DC can do to, to get up to Marvel's level in terms of quality of films? Uh, in, in actual film quality, actually, like, I really don't think there is there is a chance for them to kind of... Because they've kind of fluffed it up, you know what I mean? They've done this weird tones with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and obviously we saw the Justice League trailer and they're lightening things up a bit, but it's it contrasts kind of a, a bit too heavily for me. Wonder Woman looks like it could be all right, but I'm I'm not sure as to whether Gal Gadot can carry a whole movie because not being mean, but I think she's a, a little bit wooden with her delivery uh, of lines. But um, I, I honestly don't know. 
Um, they should have had kind of like a think tank, a brain trust at the beginning, and they wouldn't have been in this mess. But no, they decided to not do that. So I, I really don't know. I think it just depends on each individual filmmaker uh, as to so how good a, uh, a DC movie can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the point we, we kind of discussed in that podcast, really, was uh, about them trusting their, their filmmakers. Um, Richard, how about you, dude? Is there anything you think they can do to, to get up to Marvel's level in terms of like consistent film quality? Uh, well, I think that there's a famous scene in, like, in Pulp Fiction, you know, when, um, when Marcellus Wallace asks Butch, to throw, to throw the fight in whatever round it is, and, and Butch doesn't agree at first. And then, he t- and, he, and then Marcellus Willis tells him about this whole thing about, listen, you know, fuck your pride. You know, like, every emotion has an, op- has an opposite it, to counterbalance it, apart from pride. Pride is the only thing that will get you effed up. And I think that's what DC need to do. DC need to swallow their pride and, and, do, and forget this whole thing about how they want to be completely different with Marvel and, they, you know, they want to go the complete opposite way. Like, fuck that. It works. Like, the, Marvel have done 14 films and all of these 14 films that have worked, right? So that's number one. Um, number two, concentrate on, on, the, on building a universe. Like, don't, don't just think that we're just going to you know, you buy into these characters. And well, the thing is, to tell the truth, we have bought into these characters, and, and, th- and that's the thing. But, and the only way I can describe it is that you, like Jay, you were reeling off numbers and saying, like, you know, it's done pretty well here and there. But then you know what? Donald Trump doesn't know shit, and he got shitloads of numbers. And he's a president of the United States. <laughs> so that's how I look at it. So, you know, they can keep on saying that they're earning this amount of money and that amount of money. Con- concentrate on, on building a universe. So that you know, so that we want to spend money and and, and, and invest in it. Th- that's the only thing I think they can do. It, it it can be saved. It's going to take a lot of work, but what they need to do is basically slow down and follow the route of Marvel. Like, don't be too proud. It's not like Marvel have you know were the first people to like to build a universe. It, it's, it's far from it. It's just that they're doing it well, and they you know. So I I just think it's a pride thing for DC right now, and also the same thing like you guys said, like trust the directors. You know, trust your writers. You know, don't don't put them into this into this box and force them to follow. You know, to follow this this set route because I think if anything is just gonna just gonna mess them up really. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of industry scurry that's come out over the last kind of three four weeks about um, the the DC extended universe over at Warner Brothers, and a lot of it is not good. Um, I mean, I don't know. Again, listeners, you have to kind of take this stuff with a pinch of salt because. You know, none of these things are coming from the horse's mouth, as far as we know. It's, you know, a lot of the, the articles that appear online, uh, you know, say sources um, without specifically quoting anybody, because obviously if these things are true, then, you know, certain people don't really want to go on the record with, um, you know, saying that, that things aren't working out. But we've heard rumors that there are problems with Wonder Woman in terms of the film, although those have been denied by um, the director. Um We've heard, obviously, that The Flash has lost its, its most recent director. That's the second director that's left um, that project now. Um, Batman, apparently there are rumors about the, the Batman film script having several problems. And, you know, the, the, the rumor is that Warner Brothers executives basically said to um, Ben Affleck and, and to Jeff Johns that they don't care about the script, that people are just going to come anyway. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a few worries there. And then when you look at who's the head of Warner Brothers, I think he's um, Kevin Sujahara, I think his name is. 
Um, apparently, the guy doesn't even have a background in film. I think he, he came into the industry via amusement parks, I believe it is. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Um, yeah, feel free to, to leave a message. But I, from what I understand, he came from, you know, an amusement parks background. Um, and he didn't have any prior kind of knowledge of, of film. Whereas if you look at, you know, DC's direct competitor, Marvel and Marvel Studios, um, you know, uh, Kevin Feige had like 13 film credits under his belt before he even started working on Iron Man. So this was a guy who, who knows how the film industry works, um, as well as being a, a fan of the, the properties that he was developing. So, um, yeah, I mean, as, as, as you said, Rich, you know, the, the, the brain trust was, was perhaps not put in place at the right time. and. Mm. You know, but we'll see. Um, let's say we, we go into a lot of detail um, about DC in our DCEU podcast. Um, so if you want to have a listen to that, go ahead and, and listen to it. Uh, I do recommend it because we go into a lot of detail on that. But hopefully that answers your question, Gordon. Um, okay, and the next one is from Gordon as well. And <laughs> this one should be fun. Uh, who would win out of Black Panther and Blade? So basically in a pitched up battle between these two, who's going to win? I'm staying out of this. I'm going to be the judge. I'm going to let you two fight it out. So, <laughs> which, which version of Blade are we talking? <laughs> um, I'm going to say movie version because I think that would be the version that, that Gordon is probably referencing. Here. I'm going to say Black Panther then. Yeah. Okay, Richard. Um, I, you know, I don't, see, I want, I want to be different so we can have a debate. But I'd, I'd yeah. Black Panther as well, man. Although Wes, Wesley's badass, man. Remember, Wes, Wesley... Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not a bitch by any means. People went into that cinema black and white and Asian. <laughs> said, yeah, I'm Blade, man. I'm Blade. Like, white guys were going afros, man. Like, really... <laughs> 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 like Blade and shit. I was trying to go that ball patch look like Blade. Just like... <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely interesting, but... um, I, Yeah, I, I think, G, I think you basically picked two characters that um, that are, you know... Number one loved, and number two, there's there's not really there's not really a contest. I mean, like if you pick somebody, let's say like Batman versus Black Panther, then you know then then we've got something to you know to talk about. But um, Blade versus Black Panther, he, he's insane. That you know what? If you think about it, I don't know. Like movie version, you know what? No, no, no. I'm gonna go for Blade. Movie version, really? right? Yeah, movie version. Right now, I'll go for Blade. Right, <laughs> you're crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, movie version right now. I'd go for Blade. Like, like from what I remember Blade doing in the first one, and from what I remember Blade doing in the second one, like he he's done a lot more for me than what Black Panther has done, you know, like in in Civil War. So, like he he was he was portrayed perfectly in Civil War, but I think if it comes just down to pure one hundred percent ass kickery, Wesley would kick his ass, man. Like he, maybe he if it was no weapons or anything like that and no vibranium suit, then perhaps yeah, he'd no, be right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. With that I, shit I think... on, Black Panther would win. If, if what? It, with, the, with all that gear on, Black Panther would win. Well, well the thing is, I think with, with the vibranium suit, then yeah, then it just makes the fight null and void, and that makes it that it makes it null and void for anybody that he fights against, really. But um, like I think, let's say if if it wasn't like super super vibranium or whatever you want to call it, um, or if it was let's say just like hand to hand combat or hand to hand combat with weapons, Blade will take it right now. Like I'm not saying that Black Panther isn't portrayed well, but common man, that fight, that fight scene in in the first Blade 
where Blade um, um takes the blood of like the you know the lady, the police officer or the lady that he helps, and he just all he's doing is just screaming Frost's name, and he's just running through the catacombs just kicking off. Come on, man. Right. What I want to know is though, what's with all the black on black crime? Like, why does it have to be two, <laughs> two brothers having to fight one over? We've already got too many uh, casualties in the streets. Why do we have to get our superheroes to fight as well? Black Lives Matter, Gordon. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Because <laughs> the man wants to see us dead, Alvin. It's a conspiracy, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> no, I think Richard, you made a compelling argument, you know. I was I was going with Alvin at first, but I think your your argument's very compelling. So um Gordon, I think we're gonna go with Blade on this one. Um yeah, because I I think as you said, it's um it's just pure ass kickery from, from Blade from start to finish. As much as I loved Black Panther in Civil War, and I do, and I'm really looking forward to the Black Panther movie. Um, yeah, I think uh, where both these characters are at this point in time, I think, yeah, Blade wins. All right. Um, Gordon, did you want to get the next? Uh, sorry, Gordon. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The next one. <laughs> Alvin, did you want to get yeah, yeah. the next question there? Yeah, what's your views on cartoons that uh, relate to uh, what's going on in the world today, i.e. Simpsons? From Andrew, that is. Andrew, big up yourself. Um, thank you for your question. Uh, wow, well, I mean, in terms of cartoons and what they relate to, um, again, it kind of goes back to something I said with um, in regard to Monica's question, is, and that's that you know, cartoons are made by people and people are political, um, which means that ultimately, uh, whether they mean it or not, um, their politics is going to come out in their cartoons. Um, in terms of the Simpsons reference, yeah, I mean, that, that was, I, I can't remember what year it was that that episode aired, but I remember it well with, with the one which basically predicted that, that Donald Trump would win uh, the US presidential election in 2016. I, I cannot remember what year it was um but some one of the listeners will remember um listeners again let us know if you if you if you remember what episode it was exactly but um yeah i mean in in terms of that it's the simpsons have a have a shockingly good record (laughs) predicted certain things because i remember reading an article online where somebody had actually listed all of these things that these events and um, advances in technology and things like that that the Simpsons had had kind of predicted had, would happen and, and kind of did or, or certainly got, you know, scarily close to it. Um, is there anything more behind that? Uh, I don't think so, to be honest. I think it's just potluck <laughs> to a certain degree. Uh, I think they kind of just pick something and, and roll with it and then, you know, next thing you know, this is what happens but yeah the, the donald trump one is definitely eerie very eerie um in the fact that it's actually come to pass um but guys what, what, what did you make of uh this question and and the idea that, that cartoons kind of reflect the world that they, they come from uh it, it is interesting definitely definitely interesting and um and i, I think this kind of like ties into like the, the the question from earlier on, where it kind of, where it just kind of reflects things mm. um, that, that happen that happen in society. I mean, like they were doing it in like from the sixties. I mean, like you had people like Harry Crumb writing shit, um, that kind of you know, all like the freak, you know, that cartoon strips like the Freak Brothers. Mm. Um, mm. But, but I mean, those are comic books. Cartoon wise, um, it is. I, I mean, like I probably I think that the best the the 
best example of of it would be I mean I haven't watched it for years but I know Jay you're still a fan of like South Park hmm. where you know where they create each episode like on a weekly basis to reflect about what's happening in society um but I mean but cartoon wise I think like that the, it has been reflecting stuff that's been happening like the, the legend of Korra hmm. making you know you know making Korra lesbian which you know like I know that I remember that like about people that had watched I think all five seasons and got to the last episode and realized that she was lesbian and literally making comments like oh this is re- this is ruined that the whole the whole show for me i'm like what really <laughs> like you watch- <laughs> yeah see you watched it all the way to the end and then decided that this one change had ruined the entire show for you like, okay <laughs> um so so i mean is it, it, it is it is a bit hard i mean mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's broad isn't it it's broad yeah, it's, i think that's definitely it's something that we can you know briefly touch upon like you know like what, what's happened already but yeah, that, I mean, that's another question for another podcast where we can really go into depth, man. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. A bit, um... <laughs> Sorry, say that again. Yeah, I said with some weed. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, like I know people who swear blind that you know He Man is a is basically an, an an allegory for you know Reagan era America, essentially, yeah. um, which when you view it through that that prism it, it certainly appears that way you know um but yeah i mean it, it it's it's such a broad topic because there are so many cartoons that are you know subtly political as well as overtly p- political um i mean there was uh the recent disney film zootopia um that deals a lot with like kind of race politics and gender politics um within the framework of of these animals that live in you know in in a, a world where they um have their own police forces and and things like that so it deals with a, a lot of issues um zootopia but does it in in a way that isn't necessarily over it's it's in how you kind of read the the um the movie so um andrew i would say watch zootopia if you want to um, see a cartoon that kind of deals with, with politics in that way. Um, Alvin, uh, any thoughts? No, not really. I mean, I watch South Park. It's, yeah, I find it funny. It's hilarious pretty much. Um, but, and I like the fact that when they do the seasons now, it's, it's how it used to be kind of as and when, when things would happen, they'd include like a reference to something that was going on in an episode. Whereas now the whole series is based around kind of like a few things. And then the story will kind of evolve as time goes on, um, but but yeah, I like the way to do that. Um, but now, nah, apart from that, there's really good things about their different cartoons that that are related to uh, what's going on in the real world. Yeah, cool, cool, fair enough. Well, Andrew, thanks for the question. Uh, as I said, it's another one of those that's really broad, so I think it's worth. Um, coming back and having a, a look at that again in the future. Um, and Andrew also sent in another question, um, which is, Watershed, is there such a thing nowadays? Um, for those of you listening who aren't familiar with the way TV works sort of in Europe and, and I think in America as well, um, there is uh, such a thing that's described as a watershed on television. What the watershed means is it's basically referring to a specific time of the day where um, programs that, that feature more of an adult content are, are supposed to be shown. So um, in Britain, lads, correct me if I'm right, but in Britain officially, I think the watershed was kind of always acknowledged as like 9 p.m. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, around 9pm you had um, the watershed moment basically was the moment where after 9pm you could expect the content to be more geared towards adults um, and, and maybe things that were dealing with, with kind of more adult themes and, and things like that. Um, in recent years, it, 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 hasn't, it hasn't changed that much from what I could, I've noticed, to be honest. I mean, I've, I've thought about it, but I can't really think of any um, examples of, of like TV shows that, that came on, you know, before nine o'clock that, that kind of pushed um, the envelope, so to speak, in terms of what they were dealing with. Um, did you guys have any examples? Um, Richard, could you think of anything like that, that came on sort of before the watershed that, that was kind of like, oh, that's a bit risque? Um, m- maybe a few of the episodes. Um, Green Chill. Green Chill back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you want to know the joke? Dealing with drugs, right? So this is how, like, basically, Green Chill was, was a show that was set in a, in, the, in a school, in a secondary school called Green Chill. And it was and it just like various students and um and it's it kind of kick started quite a few people's careers um in the UK. Um whether they whether they went into like music or to film or stayed in television. And um in the eighties there was like this anti drugs campaign. And um and basically you know, of all the drugs that they chose that they made one you know, like one of the um students didn't take or become addicted to, it wasn't like weed or cigarettes, which is readily available, or alcohol which is readily readily available. Like, this kid must have been about 13, and he's straight up hooked on heroin. And it's like, what? Like, where the hell did this 13-year-old kid go and get heroin from? But anyway, but I mean, like, that was, you know, that was, um, you know, um, shown way before the watershed. And it was almost done like a, you know, like a, a, an infomercial. Um, I mean, they had shows like, um, well, I think I was going to say, like, you know, a couple of episodes of Saved by the Bell that kind of deal, dealt with things like that. But it was done in such a uh, squeaky pop clean way that it didn't show the harsh realities of, uh, and maybe like question. Let's say if you were an adult looking back then, see like, well, this is a bit risque. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, off my head that that's that's the only thing I can think of. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I listen to some music channels now, and 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 they and they don't cut the words out. They don't cut the use of the N word or the or the B word out, and that's like at seven o'clock, mm. and that and that kind of shocks me sometimes, man. So yeah. yeah. Okay, um, Alvin. Uh, no, nah, not much. I mean, the watershed here, kind of like we tend to get a bit sweary after nine o'clock, and that's really about it. I can't, well, mm. that and a few other things maybe, but it's nothing like anything. I think the only times when you hear really swearing before the watershed is if it's a mild swear word uh, in a film or something like that. But as far as TV shows go. Uh, I think it's pretty much been the same. It's always been more or less. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think it's more or less the same. I think what it is, is I think now, um, because, you know, kind of society has changed and, and you know, social boundaries have shifted and, and people's mindsets are, you know, quote-unquote, more open, um, I think what you see now is more of a stark difference in terms of the tone of, of some um, programs. So I think, you know, before nine o'clock, you get the usual type of fare, you know, sort of daytime um, television. And then you might get, you know, the game show, the popular game show um, or the popular entertainment show, whether that be, you know, Britain's Got Talent or 
whatever. Um, and then after nine, you can get something immediately after nine, you get the walking dead, you know, mm. which is the complete opposite in terms of um, what they, they deal, the issues that they deal with and, and how graphically they, they present them. Um, I mean, I remember when the wire was on TV, um, you know, the wire was on at nine o'clock and the wire definitely pushed envelope in terms of um, the kind of things that they dealt with on that show. And then you look at game of Thrones as well, you know, game of Thrones is another one that, that comes on at nine o'clock and yeah, you know, <laughs> what precedes game of Thrones is, is probably nothing like the, the, the average episode of game of Thrones. So, um, so I think, yeah, there's a, there's a more stark difference, but I do think that the watershed is still um, a thing really. Um, I, I, I'd be very surprised if you, you know, if you start getting, um, said episodes of, of Ray Donovan or something like that on, you know, at tea time on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, yeah, I'd be very surprised. I think, I think they do still, um, TV companies still adjust their schedules accordingly, really. So, so yeah, we think generally the watershed is still a thing, although it's, it's kind of changed a little bit, I think it's fair to say. Okay, thank you for that, Andrew. Um, we've got another question here, which comes from DH, um, and it is, uh, what are our views on piracy and its enduring popularity? Um, that's another big, <laughs> big topic right there. Um, so, yeah, who wants to have a bite of this cherry first? I think that's the second time tonight you've been thrown yeah. under the bus to be there. So, yeah. Like... Right. <laughs> Luca, say hello. Hello. Say hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Say, how are you? How are you? Uh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, that's really... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the reason why we have a watershed, folks. Because yeah. of people like Luca, we need to protect Luca. <laughs> but sorry, yeah, um, I'll go on. Uh, yeah. Piracy. Uh, well, okay, let's cut the crap. We've all done it, right? Is it the right thing to do? No. But there's various reasons, you know what I mean? So... It depends. Some people don't particularly want to spend the money to go to the cinema or down, you know, get Netflix or get Sky or whatever to watch X, Y, Z thing. Some people want to avoid spoilers, so they'll stream things online before it's actually shown on TV here and whatnot. Um, I think it's really mainly done these days just because it's it's easy to do. After. Download anything or anything like that. you can just stream it, so it's it's not really thought of as hurting or damaging anyone. And I don't think it does hurt or damage anything if you if you then then end up buying the thing free, then surely that cancels out what you did previously that was for free that you were stealing technically. <laughs> I don't know if that absolves you of your sins, you know. But. <laughs> it does my book. Well, yeah, that's what I think about it anyway. But I think it's it's it's, it's really. I mean, because you think of back in the day, it was like oh, you had to buy a VHS off someone with something on it or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Whereas now it's just click click of a button, done. And there's loads of people that do it. Mm-hmm. But then films yeah, I mean, still make mad money as well, though. So mm, it doesn't seem that it, bad. It's, it's, it's a tricky topic, isn't it? It's tricky because, um, 
I mean, on the one hand, yes, you can understand the argument that it uh, does cause people to lose their jobs because it does. Um, but then on the other hand, there's a whole heap of other issues at play, which you, you kind of touched on as well, which is why I think piracy is it's such a, a difficult thing to get rid of. But um, Rich, sorry, did you want to come in and add anything on that? Um, okay, so what, what's the question again? Because my boy is really, really, really getting me. Um, uh, what's, what's it? <laughs> it was our views on piracy and its popularity. Yeah, I think, I think that that's my answer there. <laughs> Okay, Luca answered on everybody's behalf there. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky, that's a tricky question, Luca. Mm. That's a good question for another one. But um, I, I'm still a firm believer in, in in buying things that um, you know that I, that I think are, are given back. So, for example, I, I I still buy CDs um by artists that I believe are, are still creating good music. Um, if it's just a random song, then I won't. So, for example, like um. Or, or, or Blu-rays. So like the, the the Marvel films, I will buy them Blu-ray because I'm like, okay, well, listen. As long as I keep on giving you my money, um, you know, you're, you're gonna, you, you know, you're gonna what's it called? You're gonna keep on making these good films. The minute they start to dip in quality, then yeah, I'm just gonna stream your shit. Um, <laughs> so so I I kind of have that policy on the whole downloading and streaming from from the internet. But um, I think that's a I think that's definitely a, a bigger question for for another podcast as well. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as said, you know, the, the, there's two sides to, to this debate, really, and um, you, you can totally understand the, you know, the desire to protect people's jobs within the film industry, because, you know, nobody wants to, to see people losing their jobs just because somebody is, is quote-unquote, stolen, um, you know, an intellectual property and, and put it out there for public consumption. But I think that you also can't discount the fact that, um, you know, we, especially in this day and age, in, in recent years, in last, you know, we went through a, a, a global financial crisis in 2008. And I know piracy has existed long before that, but, um, you know, that, that changed the game financially for consumers. Um, you know, a lot of people couldn't afford to access the entertainment they wanted to access. Um, and you can't really discount the fact that, you know, cinema ticket prices keep going up and up and up. Um, Blu-rays and DVDs have kind of stayed relatively the same. Um, but certainly for, for films in cinemas, you know, cinema tickets are more are more expensive now uh, to the point where, you know, um, I was talking to somebody in America recently over social media and they were saying, you know, on average, um, they might spend about 19 to $20 um, a ticket, um, which is roughly about, uh, on the back of a fag packet, about 15, 16 pounds. Mm. Um, about, about 17. About 17, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, at current exchange rates, yeah, you're probably looking at about 17 pounds, um, which is outrageous. But then, I mean, bear in mind that, if you go to see a film in, in central London, where, where we're based, if you go up to the West End and, and you want to go and see a film up there, then, you know, depending on what time you go and where you go, you can easily pay £20 a ticket. I mean, I remember going on dates with people to to see films in, in Leicester Square and it costing, you know, 20 quid a, a ticket on a Saturday night, um, which is just outrageous. I mean, <laughs> you know, how do you justify that, that price? 
charging people that price. Um, so I think as long as there's, you know, elements like that, plus, of course, modern technology factors into this a lot as well, because technology has, has changed significantly um, over the last decade and has made it incredibly easy, as you said, Alvin, to get these things. So, you know, all of these things have, have kind of played a part in, in the situation that we have now. Um, plus, you can't discount the, the kind of draconian approach that, that law enforcement in, in certain places is taking with, with piracy as well. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're actually treating it like it's like you've committed murder and, and sending you to prison for a long, long time if you get caught hosting um, websites that, that share movies and, and TV shows and things like that. So it's, um, you know, it's a really, really complicated issue and one that I don't really see any kind of way of resolving anytime soon um, until you know, somebody backs down, basically, on either side. Um, but yeah, really good question. DH, thank you very much. Um, I said that that may be one that we need to go over again, so uh, we'll probably do that in the future. Okay, um, Alvin, did you want to get the next one? Yeah, uh, the next one is uh, from Trinity121 via Instagram. And the question is, can you recommend any black heroes I can get into, i.e. other superhero shows? Okay. So, um, hey Trinity, um, this was in relation to the fact that she'd just seen uh, Luke Cage and had really enjoyed the show, um, and this is somebody who's not your typical comic book fan, um, has a very kind of uh, rudimentary knowledge of, of who these characters are um, and what they represent, um, but ended up really enjoying the show, um, and in particular was enjoying the fact that um, there was a, a black superhero who um, was getting, you know, mainstream attention and um, their own kind of property to um, for the character to be explored in. Um, in terms of recommending uh, for black heroes that you can get into in TV shows right now, I'm afraid the answer is there isn't many. <laughs> um, there are lots of black characters who feature as a part of other shows, um, but not specific shows that, that kind of are, are headlined by um, a black character. Um, I think that will change in the future. So I think we'll definitely see some more um, because Luke Cage has, has proved to be so popular with, with the general audience. Um, I think it's kind of a no-brainer that, that um, you know, other studios and, and other TV companies are, are going to want to jump the bandwagon. Um, we have uh, a Cloak and Dagger TV series uh, coming out, which I think is in 2018, which um, features a black character. Um, and aside from that, I mean, I can't think of anything else. I mean, there's a possibility there may be a Vixen show maybe somewhere down the line. Um, but at the moment, that character is um, currently with uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So um, if you want to check her out, she's actually a, a quite an interesting character. So um, you might want to check out Legends of Tomorrow, although bear in mind that <laughs> totally it's not the same as something like Luke Cage. It's a, it's a very different tone and it's made for a very different audience. So... Uh, bear that in mind. Um, Rich, could you think of any black uh, comic book characters that you could recommend to Trinity? Um, you can pick like just a, a comic book in specifically if you want. A, a comic book? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're right. Because TV isn't saying anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> as, Mag as McGregor says, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Comic book. I mean, I, right now, 
Black Panther. Black Panther. Black Panther is really good because it focuses on, on on an African character and an African nation. So like you know, so I think that I think that's quite, that's that's one of the reasons why I, I love picking it up. Not because I'm black, because um, but like it is interesting anyway. Um, and I think it's, it's a side of a character that hasn't been explored before. Um, Powerman and Iron Fist. It deal. I mean, like, and it deals with very much like a black and white character and a relationship between those guys and, and you know, and living in a multicultural, um, like, setting. So, like, like they, live, they live in, like, a, like Harlem. In, is it Harlem they live in? Or Harlem they reside in? Or was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, they reside in Harlem, yeah. It's Harlem. So, yeah. yeah, so, like, you know, so, I mean, those are two comic books that you could definitely pick up. Um, I mean, you could go back to some old-school 70s stuff. With um, with some drive talky turkey heroes like you know, with <laughs> like that. But if you're looking for for anything more up to date, I would definitely suggest yeah, like um, Power Man and Iron Fist, Black Panther. Um, I think Cyborg. I'm not sure how how they deal with Cyborg in DC. But uh, but I mean that that's another character you could pick up. Um, who, who's black? Static. I mean, I mean, th- th- there's a host of characters that, that you could, that were quite a few comic books that you could pick up, but whether they'd be relevant to now, the mm. only ones I could think of are basically Power Man and Iron Fist and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, um, that makes sense, really. That's fair. Oh, but, sorry, sorry, just, to th- just off the top of my head. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, if you're going back as well, there used to be a, a whole, like, a comic book line that, w- that was, uh, that was, um, African American infused, and it was called um, I think it was called Icon Comics. Mm. Well, Mar- sorry, Milestone Comics, and they were they were eventually they were, they were bought up by DC. So uh, yeah, they had like their their equivalents of like DC and and Marvel, but you know, but told from like a black black perspective. So not necessarily the same type of powers, but you had like your your superhuman powerhouse like Superman, and he was called Icon, and he was you know black skin, and he I think he I actually think he actually wasn't. He didn't have any color, but he came to Earth and he landed in and was raised by a black family, and so he changed his color to be to be black. Um, yes, yeah, so like I mean, pick pick some of those so those stories up. That in fact, those comic books dealt with um, with race quite quite well. So um, yeah, you can give those. Like like Jay normally says, if you guys are waiting for any form of recommendations, uh, we'll probably post them up on a blog or you know or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Remind me, guys, and I'll make sure that we um, put some of these up. Um, for the listeners so they can get some recommendations there. Um, Alvin, did you have any recommendations? I mean, as said, TV's kind of slim pickings, but... Um, well, was, was I'm going to mention a series that you guys forgot to mention. It came out, well, quite a while back. Uh, I didn't particularly like it, but I still have it on um, on DVD. And that's Blade the Series. Now, that's not going to be the same quality storytelling <laughs> as, no. as Luke Cage was. <laughs> but, you know... If you want to see a black guy kick some ass and actually take some hits, it actually takes a lot of hits in the show, um, then, then yeah, check out Blade of Series. Because I'm sure you can pick up for like a five or something on Amazon uh, if you have a look. Uh, comic book-wise, uh, have a look at Mosaic. He's not the most likable of guys, but uh, we're only two issues in, and that's a Marvel comic. It's only just started about a basketball player, a really arrogant basketball player who... Uh, who well, Terrigen Mist transforms him into an inhuman. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what his powers is, so take a risk, have a look, see if you like it, check out Mosaic. Like I said, there are only two issues in. Uh, also, there's the extremely depressing uh, Nighthawk, which is literally about a race war 
or uh, the almost eruption of a race war in Chicago. Uh, that's also by Marvel as well. Uh, obviously, there's uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man, uh, which I've been getting since uh, since he actually became um, Spider-Man in the Ultimate Marvel Universe. That's always a good shout. And was there something else as well? No, I think that in terms for me, I think that's pretty much it, really. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing I can... Oh, sorry, 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 no, I'm talking shit. Sorry, one more. Uh, Riri Williams, obviously, Invincible Iron Yeah, Man. I was Iron just going to mention that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I saw your thunder. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it's cool, man, it's cool. You've been carrying all this shit, this, <laughs> this podcast, so it's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, um, Riri Williams uh, is uh, the new Iron Man character um, that, that Marvel have introduced into their comic book line. Um, and I think the first issue came out like last week was it Alfred? yeah it was last week yeah 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 so yeah um that'll be one to to watch in terms of uh, character development and, and where they go with that as well okay um right and the next question we've got here is from wayne uh what's up wayne how you doing um and the question is uh recently watched incredible hulk and was wondering what really happened to the abomination and the leader and then the second part of his question is, and in the Marvel Universe, is there anyone more powerful than Worldbreaker Hulk? Um, Alvin, uh, what happened to Abomination and the leader, man? Where'd they go? Uh, I don't know about the leader, but I know about the Abomination. Uh, as far as I can remember, and I'm pretty sure it's right, I could have sworn in the first series of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after the whole Hydra reveal, uh, there was mention that he was in a facility uh, that wasn't overrun by Hydra. So I think he still is locked up somewhere in a prison of some sort. From what I know. But I seem to remember that happening. I can't be 100% certain. I'll have to revisit that part of the series. But I'm pretty sure that was mentioned. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, Rich, did you have anything to add? Well, I mean, like, yeah, obviously, like what Alvin said. But before that, uh, just in case um, Wayne doesn't know. Because I do know that... Um, the, the abomination was shortlisted for the Avengers Initiative. Um, they oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I think it was a yeah, and I think it was a like Fury that vouched for him and said like basically no, nah, they don't want the abomination. They want you know they want the Hulk. Um, mm. the same thing for the leader. Like I'd, like the leader has like has, has <laughs> the leader has gone the same way as as Edward Norton's Bruce Banner. They've just disappeared. <laughs> They've just been erased. <laughs> and so, mm, mm, so, yeah, two questions. Yeah. Although I would say, the one thing I would say, Wayne, is that, um, you know, we have seen uh, um, Justin Hammer referenced again, you know, after Iron Man 2. He kind of disappeared and, you know, there was that one shot Hail to the King which showed him in prison. But, you know, since then, he really hasn't been referenced at all in the Marvel Universe. Um, until Luke Cage, um, and he's referenced in that. So what we know of the leader is he's out there somewhere in the ether. Um, you know, whether Marvel will bring him in again uh, remains to be seen. I mean, there's every possibility that they might do with, with, um, you know, with two very big films um, coming up uh, in terms of uh, Avengers Infinity War and, and the as yet untitled um, Avengers sequel. Uh, those are going to feature a lot of characters from what we've been told. So, you know, there's every possibility that, that the leader may show up at, at some point in there. But I think, unfortunately, because the Incredible Hulk's solo film rights are, are so complicated, there's 
they're, they're kind of limited in terms of what they can do with, with some of those characters that featured in, in the Incredible Hulk movie. So, um, well, they're not limited, but they choose not to, to kind of go down um, the, the road of including them um, in other things. So, but you never know, as I said, you know, we, we know those characters are, are still in the universe, so to speak. They haven't written them out of the story. So as far as where we're at, they're, they're out there and, you know, who knows where they'll pop up. Um, and the second part of his question was, um, was there anybody in the, the Marvel Universe more powerful than Warbreaker Hulk? Um, Rich, you want to take that one? Yeah, well, yeah, in a, in a universe. Um, yes, like what, cinematic or comic book was? Uh, I think he's referring to comic book. Why? Sorry, listeners, um, Warbreaker Hulk is, uh, if any of you have read the Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, sort of storylines and then um Warbreaker Hulk comes along from uh from the World War Hulk storyline. Um so yeah just to add a bit of context there. But yeah I think he was referring to the comic books. Um yeah the Silver Surfer could take him. Silver Surfer could take him. Um the the thing see the thing about the Hulk is like I I, lo- I love him as a character. But I think that probably the only uh the person who's written him the best was, was Peter David. Peter David wrote him, like, uh, amazingly and put boundaries on the, on the powers of the Hulk. I think that the thing about someone like the Hulk is that he can fall into that Batman-Superman territory mm. where, like, you know, like, Superman can do everything or Batman can do everything or, like, Hulk is, like, the strongest one there is. And, um, but, like, when, but when you do break it down, there are, like, quite a few people that I think that could, that could generally could take him in a fight. Like, if it really, really came down to it, I think I would put I would put my money if it was a fight let's say between Hulk and Thor. I, I would well I wouldn't put my money on Thor, but if 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 I put my money on Hulk and Thor won, I'd be upset that I lost money, but I wouldn't be surprised that that Thor managed to take him, just because um you know Thor's 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 a character to be reckoned with. The centuries mm. are not like you you look at the powers of a century like the power of a, of a thousand exploding suns or or something like that like. It doesn't make sense when you describe a character like that <laughs> against somebody who, like, I'm not taking away from the Hulk because I'm a Hulk fan, but who's just angry. And the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. Then you know what? Then before that person gets super angry, you whoop his ass. And I think there's certain characters out there that, that could do that. Like, so a character like a cosmic being like the, the Silver Surfer or like an Earth-based character like the Sentry who is cosmic being, you know, has cosmic le- power levels, you know, um, you know, like who ended up who, who ripped Ares in half. Like, come on, like you know, th- th- I think somebody like the Hulk needs to be retconned a bit and um and uh kind of scaled down like what they did with Superman when they did the Crisis and in the Infinite Earths, where like he used to have this Superman that could punch, it could punch planets, you know, or like fly around the Earth and turn back time, which makes no sense scientifically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? So. So, you know, is the Hulk the strongest one there is? Yes, there is. Yes, he is. But the amount of people that could take him in a fight, I think is a lot more than people give, you know, than, 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 than people, you know, there's a lot more than pe- that people, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? There's a lot more people out there. Yeah, than yeah, people. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, I hear you. And Sentry probably would have been my choice as well, actually. So, um, yeah, I co-sign on that one. Um, Alvin, you want to? bring this one home um anybody you think who's more powerful than Worldbreaker hulk no i think you boys answered that better than i could <laughs> yeah 
Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Wayne. Well, thank you for your question, man. Um, but as I said, yeah, we can definitely think of a few people between us um, who would give Hulk a run for his money. Um, yeah, I've, I agree with you, Rich. I think he, he does need to be reckoned. I think they've kind of slightly did that with um, Totally Awesome Hulk with yeah. um, Amadeus Cho. I think they've, they've kind of realized the mistake because they kind of fell into like the, the Superman para- paradox, really, which is exactly what you described. This this idea that this being is is you know is um, infinite power. Um, so with with Amadeus Cho, I know they've they've kind of changed that a little bit to to make the character a little bit more vulnerable um, and therefore a bit more compelling. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, interesting. See, this is the kind of stuff we love, listeners. We love these kind of geeky debates. Um, right, that was it for our question. Although we did have one more from Monica that I did want to um, put out there because um, I just thought it would be a really good way to, to end the show. Um, she And it's a simple question again. She asked, um, which graphic novel should I read next? Um, so basically she just wants a recommendation for a graphic novel. So um, Alvin, is there anything that springs to mind? Oh, um... Fucking hell. Wait, a graphic novel or a trade paperback? Uh, a, an actual graphic novel, I think she's, she's thinking of. Hey, what's, the what's the difference? Anime or are we talking... Um, sorry, yeah, anime or can we... Well, manga or can we go American or is there any rules? Um, no, there's no rules. I think she's quite open-minded about it. Um, but yeah, do, um, before you give your choice, just explain the difference between a trade paperback and a, a graphic novel. Uh, yes. Mind. So a trade paperback is uh, a collection uh, that will of issues that form a volume. Um, so say, for example, you've got six issues of Invincible Iron Man uh, collecting his trade paperback, and that's volume one. And then, like, six months later, they'll put the next six issues in another trade paperback and so on and so forth. And a graphic novel is one story uh, told over uh, issues um, and it's combined into one, or written specifically to be one story, and then that's it, done. Cool. Yeah, nice explained, man. Um, but yeah, sorry, go ahead and make a uh, recommendation. Yeah, I think, I think, to be fair, to open it out a little bit, um, let's say you can recommend either or. So you can recommend either a trade paperback or a, a graphic novel. Okay. Um, and as I said, I think she's fairly open-minded, so you, you can pretty much go for it. All right, so first one, I'm just, I'm gonna go, just go like old school manga and just say volume one of Akira because it's fucking wicked. The artwork is amazing and it's just proper, just detailed, and it's just amazing to look at. And then you'll get hooked and you want to get the others. Uh, and then I'm gonna suggest the trade paperback being uh, Nightwing, uh, a night in Bloodhaven. Uh, which is uh, the beginning of the uh, Dick Grayson Nightwing story from the nineties. But it's been re-released, so I don't know if it's still called A Night in Bloodhaven, the first volume, but essentially Nightwing Volume 1, where he's in the blue, and it's uh, drawn by Scott McDaniel and written by Chuck Dixon. Cool. Um, Richard, did you want to add any? Yeah, um, Alvin, you know you know, you got my heart with that, with that Nightwing reference, boy. Why? You know what? I would choose Hawkeye. The, the Matt Fraction and David Aha um, run. Um, it's just it's just perf- it's just perfectly written. It's like to me, is is probably one of the best pieces of writing and art that that have come out from from Marvel in in a long time. Like it's, it's always my go-to. Like every so often, I'll just pick it up and just flick through it and be like, 
man, that scene was amazing. It's like almost like I pop in like a, a Blu-ray into my into or I watch a particular film and I'll be like, just fast forward the beginning and go straight to a fight scene and then just turn it off again. Um, but yeah, like the, the thing about Hawkeye is just, he is just a guy. I mean, they, they, they break him down to the, you know, to the basis of what the character is. He's, he's this guy who's got like an amazing aim, but yet he still goes into battle with gods and monsters and living legends with a bow and arrow. Um, and, it, and it's just him about his God, about his day-to-day business when he is not being Hawkeye but he still gets into trouble and has to deal with things as Hawkeye. But it also focuses on like his partner called Kate Bishop, who is also called Hawkeye. So already you can, can see, you can kind of see that this isn't your normal kind of Marvel type of like story. It's, it's quite tongue in cheek, so to speak as well. But um, I think it's quite well balanced in like um, the relationship between the male Hawkeye and the female Hawkeye. So like it's not like you know you know one of the questions that came up earlier on is like our characters being you know, you know too over sexualized and and the thing that I like about this is that Clint Barton who is Hawkeye he's quite a sexualized character um, whereas whereas like he he is almost like a himbo I mean later on down the line in another another issue of Avengers you kind of figure out that he, he kind of lets slip that it was all an act because he doesn't want too much responsibility but. To me, that's just like the ultimate guy anyway. That's what a lot of guys are like. Well, listen, if I don't have to do shit and still get given shit, then let me just go about my business. But um, but it still takes place in a Marvel universe and they fight against characters like Hydra. And it's, I mean, the artwork, the artwork is amazing and the writing is amazing. I would definitely put that on top of your list. Cool, cool. Thank you, bro. Um, yeah, that's a good choice. Um, for me, there's a couple. Uh, I think the first one I would recommend is one called Pitch Planet by Kelly Sudakonic. Um, Kelly Sudakonic is a really prolific comic book writer. Um, she wrote a, a run on Captain Marvel, um, kind of her rebirth as, as Carol Danvers. Um, and she wrote this this book called Bitch Planet. Um, volume one is a, is a trade paperback which collects like the first, I think it's the first five issues um, in that title. But effectively Bitch Planet is um, a sci-fi story that's set in uh, the not too distant future um, and basically uh, planet Earth has um, become a place that's just been ravaged by wars and um, pollution and, and everything else and so um, a, a government comes into place that installs all these kind of draconian laws um, in order to ensure that there's peace um, in the world um, and there's a set of laws that women in particular have to follow uh, and if they break any of these laws they get sent to a prison planet called Bitch Planet um, and Bitch Planet is basically like if you ever saw the TV series Oz um, then it's like that but on steroids um, it's just a hellhole with like constant violence, fights, um, all kinds of things. There's a, there's like this violent um, version of, of kind of almost like touch football, I guess you'd call it um, in America that, that they play uh, as a sport against the guards, which is basically just a reason for the guards to, to murder a few of the, the prisoners that they don't get on with. Um, but it's really, really good book. It, it's um, quite complex in terms of uh, not the storytelling. The storytelling is very easy to follow, but there's a lot of issues that it takes on about, um, again, gender politics. It deals very carefully with racism as well. Um, but on top of that, you've got some excellent action scenes in there, some really good um, fight scenes. 
Um, the artwork is really, really vivid as well. Uh, and it's all done in a kind of, um, if you can picture um, the kind of grindhouse style of, of movies that, that you got um, around sort of like the 70s and 80s. And, you know, like what uh, Quentin Tarantino or Robert Rodriguez did with, with their kind of grindhouse movies. In, in terms of the visual look, if you can imagine that and that kind of styling, um, then that's basically what uh, has gone into Bitch Planet. So that's definitely one that, that's worth checking out. Um, the other book that I would recommend is one that I read quite recently, which is called Faith. Um, it came out via uh, Valiant Comics, um, and it's written by Jody Hauser. Um, and it's just one of the most kind of uplifting superhero stories I've read in a long time. Um, I like, you know, I'm one of those people that, that kind of can appreciate both, you know, things that are quite challenging and difficult and have like lots of big issues but at the same time you know I'm a fan of Supergirl as these guys know and, and constantly rip the shit out of me for but um, you know I like kind of light-hearted um, stuff as well that's that's optimistic and you know looks to the future and I think certain characters should um, kind of embody that um, and what Jodie Howe's has done with Faith is exactly that she's she's taken you know the the classic almost 50 superhero ar archetype and and presented that in the present day but what's great is it doesn't really fall into any kind of present day cynicism it it, it kind of you know it, it confronts some of the stupidity of the things that we do in our society and says like why are you doing this you know <laughs> there was a simpler way when you know there, there was a time when we could do things differently um plus faith is is a, a very positive body positive positive character as well um and she's certainly a character who's not uh, overtly sexualized. In fact, as I said, they've, they've gone out of their way to make sure that Faith looks like the average uh, American woman. So, um, you know, that's a really good uh, graphic novel to get also because there's lots of subplots going on with that as well. Um, some quite interesting ones about uh, eugenics and about um, human experimentation and, and all of that kind of thing that, that goes on. But yeah, Faith is definitely one I would recommend for you as well, Monica. So um, I hope you like those recommendations. Um, we'll, I'll make sure that I pop those up uh, on the blog as well. And I will try and put a link up you know, on the YouTube page as well. But YouTube can be a bit funny about that stuff. But, but I'll try and put it up there. Uh, okay, well, that's it. With That's all of our viewer questions. So if you sent in a question for us, thank you very much. Um, if we didn't get to your question, apologies. But I think this was fun, guys. I mean, I think we should do this again, don't you think? Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, sorry, Rich, did you want to say something? No, I said, hell yeah. No, that was, it was, it was, I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. It's always nice to, to kind of interact with the fans, you know, that's the, the kind of thing we're about. Like I said on the, the last podcast, we really want to hear from you and we want to have the discussions with you. So um, with that in mind, um, Alvin, where can people track you down and find you? Uh, you can get me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, oh, bloody hell, what's it? Uh, at BigAGL85 or at BigA85GL. I never remember. I think it's the first one. Uh, yeah, I think it's the first one. <laughs> yeah, it's the first one. Um, Richard, where can people find you? Instagram and uh, Rich Reviews. Uh, and also Instagram where they can find us uh, at, you know, Woolen Talks. And also like the, the website, the blog, um, www.woolentalks.com. And then obviously the YouTube channel where you guys should be subscribed. So uh, if you don't 
you know, subscribe, press the subscribe button and press the like button and tell your friends to come and listen to us. And then we can be, just be one big happy fucking family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, if you do watch this on, on YouTube, please, please, please like and subscribe. Um, we will have more content coming your way soon. So, but the only way you're going to know that is if you subscribe. So make sure that you subscribe to our channel and you'll get up to date. And to those of you listening on SoundCloud, thank you very much. Um, we do update the, the SoundCloud as, as often as possible. So this uh, podcast is going to go up on SoundCloud very shortly as well. So for our SoundCloud fans, thank you very much for following us as well and, and for showing us a lot of love. We've been getting a lot of love from other podcasters out there as well, which has been really, really appreciated. So thank you so much um, for recommending us to other people and, and for pushing us out there. Um, you know, it's something that we really appreciate, as said, and we will likewise do the same for you as always. Um, you know, so thank you very much for that. Okay, that's it. Um, we're going to be back again very, very soon. We'll have a, a Doctor Strange special coming up. We've all seen the movie, so we'll have a, a discussion and a review, and we'll give you our thoughts on that as well. Um, and then after that, there's going to be a little bit of a gap, I'm afraid, because um, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be on holiday. So... Um, we probably won't be back again recording until early December, but I'm hoping to have a special guest join us uh, early December. So stick around for that. Cause that's going to be a lot. Santa Claus. Yeah, man. I kidnapped him. <laughs> <laughs> I kidnapped that fat son of a bitch. <laughs> no, we've, we, we, we're going to have somebody um, who, who hopefully will add a different voice to, to what we do here. Um, and that should be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah that's it from us uh, take care stay safe and we'll see you again on the other side with our Doctor Strange review okay take it easy peace everybody peace <laughs>